CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop, and welcome to our Week 13 CFL preview, uh, talking and setting up the matchups for Week 13 in the CFL, which features a Saturday triple header. Yes, three games on Saturday this week, uh, three rematches of from the week before, so... Should be an interesting week. We'll get into talking about each of those matchups. Uh, if you haven't already done so, check out our Week 12 recap uh, that Mike uh, put together and did. That's up on all the podcast feeds already, so make sure you check that out as well. And uh, no guest on the preview show this week, uh, with, with it being a lot of rematches this week. You know, the Bombers and Riders rematch and... Tried to get a couple things together, which scheduling-wise didn't work out. Um, so no guest, but I will still go through each of the matchups, talk about the keys of the game, give Mike and mine picks for each of the games, and then uh, get into our Week 13 Fantasy Fix at the end of the show. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all the other great CF Pod Network shows at cfpodnetwork.ca and at CFPod Network on Twitter. So, week 13 in the CFL kicks off, I, I mean, I mentioned already, it's got that Saturday triple header, but it kicks off Friday night with the Ottawa Red Blacks, fresh off of a disappointing loss to the Montreal Alouettes, uh, facing the BC Lions, who are coming off, oddly enough, their third bye week. Yes, 12 weeks into the season, they've already had all three of their bye weeks. Uh, a bit of a scheduling quirk there. And uh, a tough end to the season here for the Lions as they now have to, you know, no bye weeks till for the rest of the year at this point. Um, this is a game that has two teams, I think, that have something they need to prove in this one. And, and Ottawa, yes, they're 6-4. and four. Yes, they're still first in the East Division. But, uh, you know, they had two strong games in a row there, uh, especially the one against, you know, the one against Montreal a couple weeks ago, and then the one against uh, the one against Winnipeg, which they won 44-21 in Week 10. They have the bye week, they come off the bye week, and they, they lose one to Montreal, in which, I mean, their defense didn't shut things down as much as we expected, and their offense couldn't find the consistency, so... Ottawa coming into this game, I think there's still a lot of people questioning, you know, who the Ottawa Red Blacks are uh, and it, whether this team can find consistency on offense, which has been a big issue. For the BC Lions, this is a team coming off of a bye week and uh, desperately needing to pick up some wins here. I mean, they're 3-6 and six on the season uh, in a tight West division uh, in which, you know, the they're already two wins back of the Bombers for fourth place in the division, and the Bombers have the season series with them. Uh, so right now, in order to even put themselves in position of a crossover spot, uh, the Lions uh, need to gain three wins on the Bombers here. So this is a team that has lost a lot of close games this season, has fallen just short in one way or another, 
And uh, coming into this game with Ottawa, they, they, they need a bounce-back game here, and they need to start getting on a bit of a roll. Getting into our keys of the game, uh, well, I kind of talked about it a little bit here already. Uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks, I, I think it's find that consistency on offense. You know, they only put up 11 points against Montreal this past week after the past two games. They put up, uh, you know, 44 against the Bombers, and then, okay, 24 against Montreal, but the yards of offense, I mean, 487 in Week 9, uh, that's passing yards for Trevor Harris, and then against the Bombers in Week 10, he puts up 361. And then this past week against Montreal, they failed to really get anything going there. I, he still finishes 270, but he completes only 25 of 46 passes, uh, just over 50%, if my math is correct there. Yeah, 54% passing for Trevor Harris. Uh, he doesn't throw a touchdown pass. He throws a pick. And uh, William Powell, nine carries for 50 yards. Sure, that's that seems like great. You know, 5.6 average, that's not too bad. And yet, late in the game, they're three yards away from the end zone. They have three tries to try to get in there to get back into this game. They don't give William Powell the ball at all. So I think some smarter play calling for the Red Blacks is a key for this game. Uh, to utilize William Powell to the full effect that he can be used and uh, find some consistency on offense is what they're going to need to do this week to win this game. On the BC side of things, I, I, I think it's find a way to close out games because we've seen them. And this happened when they played Ottawa a couple weeks ago as well. You know, this past week, or I guess two weeks ago because they were on the bye week, against the Riders. They go for it on third down late in the game, down by three points, and uh, they don't get it. So short yardage for the Lions is a key here, and, and finding a way to close out games, because that's something they've struggled with this year. They, they've played decent football for the majority of the football game, and for whatever reason, in the final minutes, they, they can't get done what they need to get done. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if you play great for for 57 minutes if you can't close it out in the final three. And if the Lions are going to win this game, they're going to need to play the full 60 minutes there. Uh, interesting lineup note for the BC Lions that Chris Rainey, there's rumors out there that he may be a scratch this week for the the BC Lions. Uh, Wally Buono not happy with his performance as of late and the performance of the return game as a whole. And uh, looks like it might be uh, Trayvon Van getting the return duties this week while Chris Rainey sits. And you can imagine Chris Rainey's probably not too happy with that. So uh, we'll see how that situation develops. And of course, uh, Farhan Lalji reporting today that four teams have already made inquiries about him, uh, two from each division. No serious offers yet, but uh, and the Lions are not looking necessarily to move him. But if the offer is right, they'll do so. Uh, that's from Farhan Lalji. So stay tuned on the Chris Rainey situation and uh, check the depth chart and we'll see if he does end up in the lineup or if he is a scratch this week. In terms of our picks in this game, both Mike and I are picking the Red Blacks to win. Uh, granted, by me picking Ottawa, BC will inevitably win this game because consistently every single week the first game of the week I seem to pick incorrectly I don't know why that is but uh, I think since like week two or week five I have not picked the first game of the week correct so uh, if the Lions win this game on uh, on Friday night well then uh, you know where to find me to, con to to thank me I guess BC fans because 
yes, I'm taking Ottawa to win this game. So is Mike. Uh, you know, I, I think Ottawa's the better football team here. And I, I think that performance against Montreal uh, was not what any of us expected. I think coming off a big win and then a bye week, you know, it was a trap game for Ottawa. And they fell right for it, to be fair. Either they... I, I, I think they'll bounce back from this one. I really do. I, I I think they have a great offense. Well, Thorpe's defense is stellar as well. We've got a good special teams unit. I, I think all around, Ottawa's a good football team that's just had a couple weeks where they've had lapses, and uh, certainly they need to shore those up. Getting into the Saturday triple header, it kicks off in Toronto with the Ticats and the Argos playing a rematch of this past week's game in which Hamilton took that one uh, 42-28. to um, The big storyline, I guess, in that game was, you know, Toronto had the lead going into the fourth quarter. I believe they were up seven, but uh, got outscored 18-0 in the fourth quarter uh, and allowed Hamilton to come back and win the game and uh, couldn't stop Hamilton's offense late in the game here, so... Uh, we'll see how that goes. And the, I mean, it's a tight East division this, uh, at this point with Montreal picking up two straight wins, uh, here, Montreal and Toronto, both with three wins on the season now. So, uh, and, and Hamilton's at five and five and Ottawa's at six and four. So there's a lot of maneuvering to be done yet in the East division standings. And, uh, for both these teams, you know, a crucial divisional matchup here, especially for Toronto having lost the previous one to the Ticats. You know, this is a big game for them here. One of the question marks now, if you go back to the Duran Carter signing in Toronto a couple weeks ago, we were told he wouldn't play on Labor Day, which he did not, uh, and likely wouldn't play the week after, a.k.a. this week, uh, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats either, and would then be, you know, back in the lineup September 22nd against Saskatchewan. Well, now apparently Mark Tressman is not ruling it out, uh, so stay tuned to see if Deron Carter gets into Toronto's lineup, and uh, frankly, I think he should. I think he brings an explosive option for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Uh, the offense has stalled a little bit in the last two weeks or so, you know, only 163 yards passing in this one for McLeod Bethel-Thompson, completes less than 50% of his passes. I think he needs that big game receiver like Deron Carter in there uh, to help him out. And in such a crucial divisional matchup, I feel like I, I feel like the Argos need to put him in there in this game against the Ticats. But we will see what Mark Tressman does. Of course, he's not going to show his hand. Uh, why would we expect him to? And, uh, and stay tuned as well because Devere Posey may be on his way back to the Argos cut by the Baltimore Ravens. I believe he's sticking around. I think he might have a practice roster opportunity in the NFL, but, uh, you know, if he's coming back to the CFL, you know, the Argos are going to call him. And, uh, frankly, if you can get Deron Carter and Devere Posey into this Toronto offense, I mean, suddenly you look at a receiving core, uh, when everybody's healthy of, Carter, Posey, S.J. Green, Armonte Edwards, Anthony Coombs. I know he's back injured again now. That's a pretty darn good, uh, respectable wide receiving core for the Argos. So uh, certainly some big pieces to add to this, and I think they'll need them because right now they seem almost like a bit of a one-dimensional offense. And uh, and that's hard to say when, when you know that James Wilder is struggling at times this year as well. He was shut down in this last game. 
by the Ticats, only at 11 carries for 47 yards. Um, they kind of rely on him quite a bit in that Toronto offense, and when you can shut him down, then uh, then they don't have a lot of options to go to. So, so we'll see if Deron Carter gets in the lineup. I think that would be a big help. On the Ticats side of things, looks like uh, the news is out there now that Jalen Saunders uh, will be out the rest of the season, uh, light, very likely. Uh, had to be carried off of the field, I heard. I didn't see this game this past week, but so I heard. Um, that's a big loss uh, for the Ticats offense. You know, he's a young receiver having a heck of a season, uh, over 700 yards uh, through the air already uh this year and uh i believe he was sixth in receiving yards uh last time i checked so sucks to see jalen saunders go down like that i hope the injury uh i hope the recovery goes smoothly and uh we see him back on the field if not this year which it doesn't look like uh at the start of next year and he can pick up where he left off getting into the keys of the game between the tie cats and the argos let's start with the uh, the home team, the Toronto Argonauts, and that frankly is, uh, well, it's get James Wilder going because when James Wilder, uh, because Hamilton has the best pass defense in the CFL, or at least one of the best, and uh, if you're not going to get stuff through the air, you better get your most important player on offense going on the ground, and uh, I think I saw the stat earlier today that he hasn't broken uh, a carry for longer than 20 yards yet this year which if you go back to what we saw from him last year, you know that's not necessarily expected. So find a way to get James Wilder going, and that's going to make things a little bit easier for you to compete with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. For Hamilton's side of things, uh, it's very similar at the running back position. It's keep using Alex Green the way you've been using him because uh, seven touchdowns and four starts this year. Green is a touchdown machine. 18 carries, 115 yards. We've seen, Alex Green is a special part of this Ty Cats offense because go back to CJ Gable's time in Hamilton. Uh, you know they didn't use Gable that often. He did. They didn't run the ball a whole lot, and, and their offense was one-dimensional. But you saw this last year when Alex Green was in the lineup. You've seen it so far this year. I mean, they, they're giving them the ball quite a bit. Two straight weeks over 100 yards, if I'm correct. Um, and, and seven touchdowns in four games. I mean, that's almost two a game. Alex Green is being utilized. Like, we haven't seen a running back be utilized by the Ticats in a long time. And especially now that you know you've lost Jalen Saunders. Two injury for the remainder of the season. That's a big piece of the passing game that's being taken out. Uh, if you can keep giving Green the ball, uh, he's doing tremendous things with it. That is going to be huge for the Ticats. And uh, boy, if Mazzoli's on his game and he's got guys like Banks and Tasker to throw to and Green's playing at the way he's playing, I don't know if he can stop this Hamilton offense anytime soon. Getting into our picks for this game, uh, Mike has taken the Ticats to win this one, I believe. I'm just double-checking on that here. Yes, he has. He's picking Hamilton to win another game uh, against the Argos, but I'm going to stick to my guns. You know my rules when it comes to pick them. Uh, a, always pick Calgary, and maybe that's spoiling my pick for one of the later games a little bit. 
Uh, and then B, uh, always pick a split in a home-and-home home series. You know, the, the, we talk about how dominant Hamilton's offense is, how they had a great finish in this game. Uh, go back to the home-and-home home series the Bombers had with the Argos uh, earlier this season. And I know the Bombers trounced the Argos in both of those, but uh, Andrew Harris had his career-best rushing game in the first matchup and then uh, was held and contained pretty well in the second matchup. So teams make adjustments. I think the Argos are going to make some adjustments to contain Alex Green in this game, just like they did. Uh, looks like they are bringing in former rider Jeff Knox Jr. Uh, to add to their defense. Uh, reports coming out today of that. Uh, he had a stint down in the NFL or was trying out in the NFL. Now he's back in the CFL with the Toronto Argonauts. So we'll see if Toronto can shut down this Hamilton offense. And uh, we'll see if we can get a bit of a bounce back game from McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who started out strong in his CFL career, but has had maybe a little bit of struggles the last couple of games here. So I will take Toronto uh, just because, it, you know, very often home and home series are split. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hamilton win this game because I do think overall they're the better football team, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Toronto. I mean, Mark Tressman is going to know, uh, is going to make adjustments. Uh, he's one of the best coaches in the business. Don't be surprised to see Mark Tressman have his troops ready to come back and come out firing in this football game against Hamilton. So Mike takes the Ticats. I take the Argos in the first of the Saturday triple header. Uh, the second game on Saturday, uh, and the third game of the week, is the annual Banjo Bowl here in Winnipeg. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to town to face the Bombers, and uh, the 15th annual Banjo Bowl, by the way. Um, so coming off of last week, in which the Riders pull out the 31-23 win at home, as they generally, unfortunately do, over the Bombers, that's now 13 of the last 14 Labor Day Classics that Saskatchewan has won. And now they come into Winnipeg to face the Bombers. So we'll, uh, the stadium is sold out. Investors Group Field completely sold out for this game, as you would expect. And uh, while Bomber fans can't take all the credit for that, you got to know that a lot of people in those stands will be wearing green. Uh because, you know, Ryder fans love this game just as much as Bombers fans do. So looking forward to the atmosphere at Investors Group Field on Saturday. I will be there. Uh, if you see me around the tailgate, uh, I'll most likely be in my uh, Obicon Diversity is Strength shirt and my Bomber hat. Uh, uh, pretty much same outfit I'm wearing in my Twitter profile picture, at Cooper Trooper 42 If so, If you want to know what I look like, you can look there. Uh, if you see me at the tailgate, say hi. Uh, I know there's a lot of people coming to this game. I know the Piffles podcast is bringing a bus full of people from Regina. So uh, hopefully get to meet all of them. And uh, hope everybody has a fun time at the Banjo Bowl. And I hope we get a great game here. The big question mark seemingly every week now in Winnipeg is what are we? what's happening at the quarterback position in the sense that you know, people are starting to get more and more and more and more and more restless with uh, with Matt Nichols and underwhelming play from the Bombers quarterback. And, you know, his comments to the media certainly didn't help. 
and they want to see Chris Strebler play. And I think the argument is starting to become louder and louder from fans wanting to see Strebler get into the game. They like what they've seen from Strebler. He threw a touchdown pass again this week. And frankly, they haven't. They don't like what they've seen from Matt Nichols. Uh, 14 of 26, 166 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions, uh, including one late in the game there. The Bombers had two drives where they were down one point late in the game, and they failed to get any on the boards there. You know, the offense, to an extent, has stalled a little bit here in Winnipeg, and uh, fans are not happy with it, and they want to see Chris Strebler play. Of course... Mike O'Shea will go and say that Matt Nichols is the starting quarterback, and so we will see Matt Nichols out there again this week to face the Riders. And while I'm I'm honestly not surprised to see that, they've been very adamant that Nichols is starting quarterback, and I, I I'm still a supporter of Matt Nichols. I think I think you still do stick with him, but I'm definitely seeing the arguments from people that want to see Chris Strevler play and I think we need to continue to see more packages in there where maybe you rotate them in and uh, mix things up a little bit. Uh, But you have to think if the Bombers fall in this banjo bowl to the Riders, and it's going to be a a very crucial game for them because if you lose this one, you fall to 5-7 on the season. Uh, You've lost the season series to Saskatchewan if you lose this one as well. uh, So, I mean... This is a crucial game for the Bombers. If they lose this one, if Matt Nichols underperforms, I, I, I think the boos and the calls for Chris Strebler to start are only going to get louder. And uh, I, I think at that point it might be, you know, a very fair argument to put him in there. But for now, Matt Nichols plays. We'll see how he handles this. He is uh, 3-0 and in Banjo Bowls, has never lost a Banjo Bowl. Uh, so hopefully the record of in that sense is on the Bombers' side. But uh, coming into this matchup with Saskatchewan, I mean, Saskatchewan, again last week, defense got it done, special teams got it done. Uh, Nick Marshall, the defensive back, had two rushing one-yard rushing touchdowns because uh, he is the short-yardage quarterback as he used to play quarterback. They had a 91-yard punt return touchdown from Kieran Moore. Uh which was a heck of a play and some sloppy mistackling from the Bombers and a couple big turnovers forced by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So again, this past week, defense and special teams carried the way. Offense did not get a whole lot done. And uh, it's same old, same old, and they continue to find a way to win. So interesting to see whether the Bombers' offense can rebound against this Saskatchewan defense. And whether Saskatchewan's offense can finally get going in this rematch between the Prairie rivals. Keys of the game will start with the hometown Blue Bombers. It really is get something going in the passing game because, you know, Andrew Harris had the game of a lifetime. It looked like he was having, and I know he got nicked up a little bit this past week, but he had 15 carries for 158 yards. He was over 100 yards in the first half alone. He looked like an absolute machine out there. Uh, he got nicked up in the third quarter and was being dealt with the trainers for a little while, which kind of hindered him uh, for the rest of the day. But it, you, you, you would think Andrew Harris would open thing, having such a good game would open things up and help the passing game succeed a little bit. 
and it looked like it did on the 31-yard touchdown pass to Kembrell Tompkins on the play-action play, but Matt Nichols again, 166 yards passing. They did not get a whole lot through the air. Granted, it's a strong Saskatchewan defense, but not necessarily a big game by the by the Bombers offense. And if you can shut down Andrew Harris, it seems to become they seem to be one-dimensional in terms of the running game carries this offense. And then you gotta and then so the Bombers need to find something through the passing game here. You know, some you can use the big deep passes to Darvin Adams, but you gotta start you gotta start getting some of these guys you know, more so involved. Uh, Nick Dembski's had a quiet couple weeks. I want to see him step up this week for the Bombers uh, in the passing game, especially uh, since Andrew Harris did not practice today, actually. So hopefully he'll be back in the lineup this week for the Bombers because they very well need him in the lineup uh, for a crucial matchup here with the Riders. So stay tuned to depth charts to see whether Andrew Harris is in this week. From the Saskatchewan side of things, I think uh, the the key for them is to get something going offensively, anything going offensively. You have to wonder how long the defense can carry the team. Uh, they put up tremendous performances week in and week out. You know, big sacks, turnovers, defensive touchdowns. You had the punt return touchdown this past week. Uh, when Nick Marshall leads your team in touchdowns uh, offensively and has, boy, I want to say something like three of, has about a quarter of your offensive touchdowns on the season. I, I think that speaks a little bit about what what you need to fix here. Uh, if they can get an offense rolling, I mean, then this Saskatchewan team might be unstoppable because that defense is playing some tremendous football here. And uh, the key of the game is to get something going offensively. Zach Caleros doesn't have a game over 300 yards yet this year. Uh, they've seen some bright flashes in the running game between the mix of Thigpen and Trey Mason. But uh, nobody's really stepped up with a monster game between those guys. So that's the key of the game here for the Riders. In terms of picks in this one, Mike is taking Saskatchewan. Uh, with the quote I got from him via text earlier today that he has no confidence in the Bombers right now, and certainly after the last couple of weeks, I can see why he says that. Me, it's, again, home-and-home home series. Uh, Bombers never win in Regina, really, besides 2016, but they seem to bounce back decently well when it comes to Banjo Bowl, no matter what the records are. Um, I, I think it's a bit of a bounce-back game. You know, Richie Hall is under fire for the way his defense has played as of late. Uh, that fourth quarter against Saskatchewan was mess, and uh, as was the one against Calgary a couple weeks ago. And Matt Nichols definitely feeling the heat now, and uh, so I, I'm expecting a bounce-back game from the Bombers here. So I will take the Bombers to win this one. Won't be surprised if Saskatchewan does but I will take the Bombers at home in the Labor Day rematch, a.k.a. the 15th Annual Banjo Bowl at Investors Group Field, uh, I believe 3 p.m. Central on Saturday. And the final game of the week has the rematch of the Battle of Alberta. This one is in Edmonton as the Stampeders roll into town. Coming off a win over the Eskimos this past week, a 23-20 win on a Kick by Rene Paradis, 
in in the final play of the game to take the win in this one. Big storylines coming into this game is, well, the health of Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell did go down, missed a couple drives in that game against Edmonton, came back with a knee brace on, looked fine for the rest of the night, and uh, he was still wearing the knee brace at practice this week. A very, I'm pretty sure that Bo Levi Mitchell will play this week. I would not expect him to go and miss a game against the, the rival Edmonton Eskimos unless it's bothering him to the point where he absolutely has to. Uh, if he can throw a football and if he can move around out there on the field, you best better believe that Bo Levi Mitchell is going to be in the lineup. So I'm expecting him to play again this week, but he will be at without. It looks like another one of his major targets. Uh, Eric Rogers has been out most of the season, and now Kamar Jordan looks like he could be out for a little while. And Kamar Jordan has been the go-to guy in that offense, so a big piece lost there for Calgary's offense. But they certainly still have the uh, plethora of talent at the wide receiver position. You've got Tavares Daniels, Mark and Michelle, Reggie Bagleton, uh, Jawan Breskison. Uh, they had a new guy in the lineup this week who uh, who pitched in nicely. Santini, I think it was his name. Or Sindani, sorry. Richard Sindani. Uh, Lamar Durant. I mean, and they still have options at wide receiver for Bo Levi Mitchell. And uh, it's just going to be next man up as it always is in Calgary. On the Edmonton side of things, looks like they'll be without a, one of their key wide receivers as well for some significant time here, and uh, that's Darrell Walker, who went down in this game and looks like he'll be missing some time. So we'll see who gets into the lineup. Perhaps Bryant Mitchell, after he got in the lineup for one game earlier this year and had over 100 yards, we'll see if he comes in and takes his place. And I like the idea of putting Bryant Mitchell in there. Obviously, Darrell Walker is, you know, one of the best receivers in the CFL. But I, I think Bryant Mitchell can fill the void in the meantime while he's out. Getting into the keys of the game for this game, uh, starting with the hometown Edmonton Eskimos, uh, or the home team, I should say. Uh, penalties is always an issue for Edmonton. I think it will continue to hurt them until they can clear those things up. Um, just looking at the stats here from this past week, two penalties for 50 yards, but again, I didn't see this game, but Mike was telling me crucial penalty late in the game gave Calgary the opportunity, uh, to come down and, and win this one. So, uh, yes, they were better this week in the penalty sense, but all season long, you know, Edmonton's been taking penalties when, when they, they really shouldn't be, and it's been hurting the team. So, you, you have to, if you're going to beat the Stampeders, you have to play a near-flawless football game. And uh, taking undisciplined penalties is certainly not going to be the case. So, uh, overall, better the this past week. Uh, so, I want to see them continue to do that. Because they came close to knocking off Calgary at home. To their credit, the Eskimos did. The key of the game for Calgary, on the other hand, um, is going to be protect Bowie by Mitchell. I think, uh, you know... As much as he'll go out and say he's 100% if he's playing, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays if he's not 100%. He's got that knee brace on. We'll see if he keeps that on for this week's game. You know Edmonton's defense is going to come after him again. Uh, they got some good defensive linemen in there in Edmonton. 
Uh, key of the game is going to be for the offensive line to give Bo Levi Mitchell the time and uh, make sure he doesn't get hit here because uh, the last thing you want for Calgary is, an, is a long-term Bo Levi Mitchell injury. Uh, I don't have confidence in Nick Arbuckle as a starting quarterback yet. If uh, if that he was pressed into such a role, I, I think you got to make sure. Uh, you know, because Calgary's starting to run away with the standings here. Let's be real. Uh Seven and one or nine and one at this point. Saskatchewan is in second at six and four. Uh, Calgary, just keep Bo Levi Mitchell healthy. And uh, frankly, if he's out there and playing all game long, and their defense keeps doing what they do, they'll probably win this game. Uh, as Calgary finds a way to win almost every game, so offensive line needs to do their job and protect him this week. In terms of our picks in this game. Uh, I am, uh, Mike is picking the Eskimos. He thinks that the Eskimos uh, this past week uh, came close enough against Calgary that at home here, uh, maybe he's playing into the, you know, home and home series a little bit here and he's taking the Eskimos. But I am taking Calgary. My number one rule of CFL pick'em is you pick Calgary to win every week. And so far, nine out of 10 weeks, that's gotten me a correct game. So I, I think... I think Calgary's still the better team. You know, Edmonton came real close this past week, uh, but I think Calgary's defense, by and large, is best in the CFL. Uh, although Saskatchewan's getting into that argument. Um, and uh, I even with, you know, the loss of Kamar Jordan, there's so many weapons at wide receiver for Calgary. I, I think Edmonton has its flaws, you know, the penalties. I think the offense, as many yards as Mike Riley has put up at times this year, I think definitely still has a bit of a reliance on a deep ball. And uh, if you can take that away, that's going to cause problems for you. Uh, so I will take the Calgary Stampeders to win this week uh, once again. It's time to get into our Week 13 Fantasy Fix, talking all things CFL Fantasy. Uh, week 12 was... Not my shining moment in CFL Fantasy, but still finished with a decent 82 points on the week. Uh, roster for Week 12 had Antonio Pipkin at quarterback. Uh, led his team to a win with a 19.2 point fantasy performance. Uh, Alex Green was a monster yet again, 31.3. And Lawrence Pittman as one of my running back choices, and you're probably wondering who the heck that is. Well, uh, I originally had Ryder Stone from the Montreal Alouettes in my lineup. Uh, then it came out on Twitter that it looked like, uh, well, their depth chart came out showing Lawrence Pittman as starting running back. Switched, uh, so I put him in my lineup this week, and uh, I guess maybe I just missed the memo or whatever that uh, he was not, in fact, starting and did not have time to change it right before kickoff. So zero points for me from Lawrence Pittman, which took a hit to the fantasy totals. Dominic Rimes had a very quiet game, only one catch, 12 yards, 2.2 points. Greg Ellingson uh, was Ottawa's best receiver in this one past week's game. Eight catches, 114 yards, 19.4 fantasy points. And uh, Kamar Jordan, of course, went down with an injury, only put up three catches for 49 yards, uh, only got me 7.9 points. And the Bombers' defense with, uh, with only two points. I, I expected more. I expect, especially against Saskatchewan's offense that struggles uh, quite a bit. I expected more from the Bombers' defense this past week, but that obviously did not pan out. So an 82-point week, 
Uh, my consecutive weeks uh, of 100 points is over. Uh, but we're looking to get back into that category again this week. Starting at the quarterback position in CFL Fantasy, uh, well, Montreal's on a bye this week, so there's no picking uh, the value play of a cheap Montreal quarterback, which, frankly, the way he's playing right now, I would almost consider picking Antonio Pipkin at something around $6,000 every single week. Uh, the interesting thing with CFL Fantasy this week is that you have three games that are exact rematches of last week, and the question always is when it comes to a rematch, do you do you pick the same team or the guys that succeeded from pa this past week? For example, a guy that put up 100 points in the first or 100 yards in the first game and expect them to do the same this week? Or do you expect them to be covered a little better and expect somebody else to step up and have a big game? At the quarterback position, there's two options I really like if I can find a way to fit them in my lineup this week, which... I've been playing around with fantasy, you know, with the fantasy stuff a little bit, and I'm having a bit of a tough time setting a lineup this week without the Montreal value plays. You know, some of these positions, like quarterback and running back, I'm having a bit of a hard time fitting everything under the cap, but the two guys I really like this week, first one is Bowie by Mitchell. I think Bowie by Mitchell, uh, assuming his health, and again, stay tuned for depth chart, and maybe monitor how he's doing, uh, Injury-wise, as he practices throughout the week, but I, I still like that matchup against the Eskimos defense for Bowie by Mitchell. I, I think it's a good one. Only put up 14.2 fantasy points this past week, but uh, expect a bounce-back game if he's in the lineup. And The other one is Jeremiah Mazzoli. You know, the knock on him all season long has been uh, failure to throw up touchdown passes and bunches. Well... This past week against Toronto, who he's facing again this week, he threw for 385 yards, three touchdowns, did have one pick, but put up 25.4 points through the air, picked up another couple points on the ground as well. And uh, I like Jeremiah Mazzoli against that Toronto defense, especially with how well Alex Green is playing lately. I think that just opens things up a little better for Jeremiah Mazzoli and the passing game for the Ticats. Looking at the value plays at quarterback, you know, Zach Calero still appears to be a very cheap option, 5648 But he really hasn't done that much uh, for the Riders' offense. Uh, he hasn't, or fantasy-wise particularly, hasn't thrown for over 300 yards yet. Uh, you know, has, has five touchdowns, four interceptions in six games. Those certainly don't jump out to you. His highest point total has been 144 Uh points so far this year so I, I I would still stay away from Zach Caleros uh, the other value plays McLeod Bethel Thompson he's been struggling as of late he faces a, a once again a very strong Hamilton passing defense uh, I I'm not entirely sold on putting him in your lineup for this week and then uh, the other value play which he comes at seven thousand one hundred and fifteen dollars is Travis Lule coming off the bye week facing the Red Blacks we saw Antonio Pipkin have a bit of success against the Red Blacks this past week. Uh, so maybe I'll can, you know, if I'm strapped for cash, I'll consider putting in Travis Lule as my quarterback because while he hasn't jumped off the shelf fantasy numbers wise, he certainly has the ability to lead this team, to lead the BC Lions. And uh, he, I think he still has the ability to put up a big game. So I, I would consider him 
as a value play this week if you're strapped for cash. At the running back position, uh, Andrew Harris had himself a monster game against Saskatchewan Rough Riders this past week, uh, but he didn't hit the end zone, and uh, looks like he was a little banged up, and uh, he missed practice today, so remains to be seen. Uh, obviously, monitor that situation to see if uh, if Andrew Harris will be playing this week, and comes in at $9,157. Uh, if you if you can fit it in the lineup, it seems like a great pick week in and week out, but because the Bombers' offense does rely on Andrew Harris every week. But again, his health situation, we'll see where that puts him. The real lock you have to put in your lineup at this point every week uh, because touchdowns are, I mean, touchdowns are basically worth 60 yards rushing, uh, is Alex Green. Alex Green, since coming back from injury, has put up seven touchdowns. Uh, in four games, uh, he's been averaging around 20 points. He had 20, uh, he had something like 29 points this past week against Toronto, who they're facing again. 115 yards rushing, uh, two touchdowns. He's had over 15 carries in every single game he's been back so far. You know Alex Green is going to be given the ball, and you know he's going to score when he's given the ball as he continues to do so. Looking at the value options at running back, uh, well, we don't have the value Montreal running back this week at $2,500, but then again, if you're me, you'll probably accidentally put the wrong one in your lineup anyways. Um, so I, I struggled a little with, you know, finding a value option at running back this week. You have Trey Mason, which seems to be the cheapest uh, reliable option here at 3727 uh, the problem is he still uh, he still can splits the time with Marcus Digpen, and you never know which one's going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, Trey Mason has had some decent production in the time he's been in, and I'm looking at putting him in my lineup just to try to save some some cash here. But his fantasy numbers haven't jumped off the shelf, and as long as Marcus Digpen is in and playing as well as he is, you know you're really not going to save that much money there uh, on Trey Mason on Trey Mason. So when I look at the running back position, you know, I'm trying to see if there's a way I can get two of these higher priced guys. You know, maybe a Don Jackson at 6,424 is a good option. Put up about 15 points this past week. Uh, but uh, certainly Alex Green is, is, my, is my number one running back choice this week. It's a matter of who else, uh, how much cap room do I have to try to fit another solid option at the running back. At wide receiver, uh, well... No Kamar Jordan this week, no Darrell Walker this week, uh, so some of the big wide receivers certainly uh, are not available this week, but you still got Brandon Banks, who uh, put up 34.5 fantasy points. Uh, well, that's just through the air. He pitched in a little bit on, on the ground and punt returns against Toronto this past week. Uh, against Edmonton a couple weeks ago, he was shut down. But other than that, he's put up uh, most of the season. He's been putting up numbers around the 20-point mark and exploded against Toronto with 135 yards and two touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, especially with the loss of Jalen Saunders, to see them rely heavily on him again this week. Um, th there's two guys, and, and you know what? You can throw Brandon Banks in there. But there's two guys that I think are, are decently priced but not massively priced that I think are great options at wide receiver this week and it comes due to you know a their own play but b also the injuries to guys 
more prominently involved in the offense than them. And that's uh, number one is Devaris Daniels. Uh, like I mentioned, no Kamar Jordan this week. Uh, he's been the go-to guy but for Bo Levi Mitchell. But in the last three weeks, Kamar Jordan, or I sorry, Devaris Daniels, 25.3, 19.7, and 24.6 fantasy points. He has four touchdowns in the last three games. Uh, five catches, seven catches, seven catches. Um, he, he's only going to get more with Kamar Jordan being out. You know, he is now the go-to guy in that Calgary offense for Bo Levi Mitchell, and I, I think he'll be used very heavily this week. And the other wide receiver option I really like this week is Luke Tasker at $6,798. Uh, the past two weeks, he's had nine catches and eight catches, uh, around 150 yards in both games, uh, touchdown in each of them. He's, you know, two weeks ago against Edmonton, 30.6 fantasy points. Last week against Toronto, 28.3. Again, no Jalen Saunders. Uh, you've got Brandon Banks. You've got Luke Tasker as your kind of two go-to guys now. Maybe Terrence Tolliver gets, you know, started to use more again like he was last year. Um, but these are really your two go-to receivers for the Ticats, and uh, that's a pretty good price for a very prominently used receiver in Luke Tasker. If you're looking on the value end of the spectrum, uh, perhaps you take a look at Kenbrill Tompkins for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at $2,500. He had a touchdown catch. Uh, his only catch of the game was a touchdown catch. 10.1 fantasy points uh, this past week against Saskatchewan. Um, he's produced, you know, somewhere around that 7 to 10 point range. Each week he's been in the lineup. Uh, we'll see if they start to maybe try to get him involved a little more. But he's facing a tough Saskatchewan defense. You have uh, Kyron Moore uh, at 2,500 as well, who had the big punt return touchdown against the Bombers. Also had three catches for 42 yards. So put up something around 15 fantasy points on the day this past week and uh, comes as a cheap option with Christian Jones looks like still out due to injury perhaps Moore keeps getting more looks and uh, well certainly in the return game and a bit more involved on offense as well um, but one, one of the guys I think I do really like as a cheap option is Mike Jones of the Ticats for 2500 uh, Mike Jones has uh, he has had his moments of brightness this season. Uh, certainly at times, you know, he had 15.7 fantasy points just two weeks ago. He had 17 fantasy points in the first game of the year. And uh, like I said, with Jalen Saunders out, you know, Mike Jones come together with Terrence Tolliver are your three and four, number three and number four wide receivers on this team going forward here for the decent future. So uh, stay tuned for that. And, uh, well, he, he's a guy that I'm looking at possibly getting in my lineup this week if you're looking to load up on Ticats against the Toronto defense. Speaking of defenses, once again, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are the most expensive defense. And, boy, that should come as a no surprise to anybody. They put up nine points again this past week against the Bombers, and they're facing them again. I imagine they will continue to put the the ridiculous numbers like that. So if you can fit them in your lineup, surely put Saskatchewan in there, but that's a hefty price to play, pay for a defense. Calgary put up nine points against Edmonton last week, 12 the week before against the Bombers. Those are your two high-priced defensive options there. Uh, I picked the Bombers last week at, uh, at 
something like 5,100. They're at 52.28 right now. Um, only two points the last week. In fact, only a total of one point in the last three games. So I say stay away from the Bombers' defense this week uh, against Saskatchewan. Ottawa, on the other hand, has been getting a, has been uh, pitching in some solid numbers defensively in terms of fantasy points. Uh, 8, 9, 7, 14, and 9 in their past five games. So uh, their price has gone up. They're now in the $4,000 range. But if you're looking for a middle defense that you're just going to rely on to get you a couple points here, Ottawa would be a solid option for that. And, of course, finally, the value play. Uh, the BC Lions are the only ones at $3,200 on defense. I think uh, I, I've certainly been high on their defense, uh, especially facing an Ottawa team that's so inconsistent offensively. Uh, the past three games, nine, five, and four points their defense has put up. And, uh, what you know, we don't know which Ottawa offense we're going to get. So it may be a value play. It may be a bang or bust play based on which Ottawa offense they face. But at $3,200, the Lions are a solid option defensively for a value play in CFL Fantasy. That's it for our Week 13 Fantasy Fix, and that's it for our Week 13 CFL Preview. Uh, boy, that was a long one. Um, thank you all for listening. Again, if you haven't already done so, check out our Week 12 Recap, uh, in which Mike recapped Labor Day weekend. That's out on all the podcast feeds already, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, you can find us on all of those. And if you want anything else, just let me know and I'll get it on social media. Uh, make sure you check out uh, our social media, Facebook and Twitter, at CFC on Mike FM uh, to stay up to date on shows. We talk football there all the time uh, and any announcements we have of any nature. Uh, best place to check is Twitter, which we are decently active on. And, of course, uh, check out all the other Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. We'll be back again next week. Uh, Mike will be back with our Week 13 recap next week, and I will be back uh, probably Wednesday night again with the week, 13, week 14 CFL preview, and hopefully I can get us a guest on that episode, so... You don't have to just listen to me ramble for almost an hour, because uh, I'm sure you all enjoy doing that. But anyways, thanks again for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Coop. This has been the Canadian Football Countdown. We will talk to you again next week. Enjoy this week's games. Enjoy the Saturday triple header. And of course, for all those in Winnipeg or coming to Winnipeg, enjoy the Bangible. I hope to see you all there. And I hope we have a fun day Saturday afternoon. So take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye.